name is Phil. I'm part of the team here, and uh, we're excited to be here this morning. Um, if you're with us the first time, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Um, and we've just been continuing on. This is the last part of the four-part series called Losing My Religion. And uh, it's just been fantastic. There's been so many great uh, reports of just people really beginning to see clearly, beginning to see who who God is and, and, and really see the message of the good news of the gospel. And uh, so often, unfortunately, as people, we can conform to the ways of the world even inside uh, the walls of the church, even inside the walls of what seems to be a religious institution that represents uh, Jesus. Uh, we can actually find ourselves falling into what we would call a form of religion or a form of godliness, but actually it's dead. It's like, I like to say, um, we're made up of bones, but we're also made up of breath. And so a lot of the time, if, if we take out the breath from the bones, what happens is you're left with bones, and bones by themselves are dead. There's no life. There's no movement. They're just there. But they're necessary because they bring structure. But when you bring the breath of life, then what happens is God breathed into the dust. He breathed into dead bones, and they came alive as we see in the scriptures. And uh, that's what God wants to do with his people. He doesn't want us just to go through dead rituals, dead routines, just going to church because we have to. He wants us to go to church. He Not just go to church. He wants us to spend time with him in his word, in prayer, not because we have to, but because we want to. In the same way, he doesn't want married couples to be married because they have to. You're like, oh, I've signed up to it. I've got to stay now make the most of it. I'll go play a sport and keep myself. No, no he, wants you to be, he wants you to be in a place where you want, you love, and that's what love is all about. It's about not just a choice, but it's about maintaining that in a healthy way. And, and that's the same thing with our relationship with God. And so I just want to recap over the last um, few weeks. So we started with stones and not bricks. So God has called us to be stones and not bricks. Bricks are perfect in their form. And the problem with bricks are that none of us are bricks. We can strive to be perfect. We can, can desire to be perfect and, and, and look well from the outside. But really on the inside, we're all stones. Stones are different shapes, different sizes, different look, different color. But God, has, God built his temple with stone and not brick. And so that's why when you come into some religious environments or you experience religion or a Pharisee, Pharisee, you know, a Pharisee type person, is you feel condemned, you don't feel good enough. You feel like, oh, Philip, I'm not as holy as them. Really what's going on there is you're experiencing religion. Because Jesus came and sat with the notorious sinners of that day and he accepted them as stones, as broken people. Um, then we went on the second day and we talked about clarity and not confusion, where the holy man tried to make his way to heaven and it created confusion. Some people here, you're in, a, in an area of your life, there's confusion. You're not sure what's going on. You're not sure why certain things are And you're trying to work it all out, and it's creating confusion. But actually, when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost, it brought clarity. So God is not a God of confusion. He's a God that brings clarity. He brings confusing situations and puts them into order. Amen? Um, then last week, we focused on... How religion focuses on the weakness of man. Oh, they can't come because they're not good enough. They don't look right. They don't talk right. So we're going to focus on the 
the weakness of man rather than the goodness of God. And so every week we come here, we, we glorify God. We sing praise to God. We lift up the name of Jesus. Why? Because our, we're not worthy. Because we're imperfect. We need a, we needed a perfect sacrifice to pay the price so that we could have communion with God. Amen? And so we raise up the name of Jesus as that sacrifice. And we talked about how religion always criticizes from afar. And so, so often people will criticize maybe you or they'll criticize a type of church or they'll criticize uh, maybe God doing something in someone's life and they'll make judgment. Why? Because there's a gap. And in that gap, there's assumption. And in that gap, there's different stories made up in our minds. And so as people, we've got to be careful that we don't become religious because what happens with religion, religion is weak. It's when you begin to, to go around life looking at people from the outside instead of seeing what God's doing on the inside. And the only way you can do that is by getting up close. And so the last one we talked about, come close to God, stay close. That's how you fight off a religious spirit. That's how you experience a, a desire to, to love God, to want to be in relationship with God as you stay close. And what happens when people get hurt or wounded? They often distance themselves. There's barriers begin to form. There's hurt uh, begins to build this brick wall which, which stops them from, from experiencing the goodness of God. And they die spiritually. So this week what I want to talk to you about is build a bridge, not a barrier. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you, Father, that you love us. I thank you that you are a bridge builder. God, you came to remove the obstacles on this earth and to build a bridge from humanity to yourself. God, we thank you. I pray you speak in many different ways to many different people here in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. You see, the problem that we had was there was obstacles on this earth. As people, sin became an obstacle between us and God, our relationship. So, so God sent his son to remove the obstacle. And so the, the problem, the question we've got to ask yourself, well, how do I stop myself from becoming religious? How do I get, how do we do this heart surgery where, where I no longer experience this numbness or this death or this kind of, I get out of just going to church out of routine or out of guilt for a, a grandparent or, or for a, a mother or father that, that I actually go to church for me, that I actually begin to hear God's voice for me, that God, because here's the problem. If you don't come into a love relationship with Jesus, if you don't come into a genuine relationship of faith with God, you know what happens? There are no visions. There are no dreams. There is no legacy. God can't move through deadness. And that's why we're called R8 Church. R represents resurrection. God takes what is dead and brings it to life. But it begins with surrender. It begins with letting go. And so I want to go straight, go straight ahead to the scriptures here in Matthew 12 and 1, 1 verses 9. And I, I love this scripture. And this is Jesus. So, so Jesus has been sent to earth. The word of God has become flesh. God put skin and bone and flesh on, on his word that had been spoken for hundreds and thousands of years prior. And he sent Jesus. Jesus is now on earth. He's walking the earth. And it's funny, as Jesus walked the earth, 
so many of the Pharisees, the religious, ritualistic type people, expected Jesus to walk a certain way in their head. They thought Jesus should be doing this. He should be following all our rituals and all our laws. They expected Jesus to come in a palace, but he came in a manger. They expected Jesus to only hang about with, with the, the big pastors. They expected Jesus to only hang about with the rich folk. They expected Jesus to be walking down the red carpet, but he came on a donkey. And so Jesus threw them off where the, to the point where because they were so, they were, they were worshiping the system of religion, they were worshiping the system of ritual, that, that when Jesus came, they couldn't see. They couldn't see him for who he was. Why? Because their heart was connected to the things of man. They had conformed within a church environment to the things of man, to pleasing people, to looking, look at us praying on the street. Look at us converting. Look how I've performed in the church. And so we've got to be so careful that we don't fall into the trap of religion because all it brings is death. All it brings is rejection to humanity. All it brings is another form of godless routine. It's not really of God. And that's because if it was of God, when Jesus arrived on the earth, they would recognize him. They could discern in their spirit that this is the chosen one. This is the savior. This is the sent one. But they couldn't see. So here we have, we're going to pick up here. Jesus is with his disciples. He's walking through a field. And now in this day, let's set the context. In this day, what was happening was, was uh, there have been so many, we, a lot of us know the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, but actually that was only a few. There was hundreds of extra laws that were added to that. You see, what happens with religion is religion always adds. It always makes it harder. It always complicates it. It makes it more confusing to the point where you're like, I'm allowed to do this or I'm not. I'm allowed to go here or I'm not. It confuses. It's not clear. It's confusing. And so Jesus is walking in the field with his disciples, loving them. He's in relationship with them. He's trying to point them in his way. And this is what happens. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. So straight off the bat, Jesus just broke one of their laws. <laughs> like the laws that we create. Oh, when you go to church, you better wear a shirt and tie. You, you better. Oh, you can't use this instrument. Oh, 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 oh we can't. we got to sing from this hymnal. Oh, 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 you, oh you, you can't. Oh, my word. What, what are you wearing? What are you? Oh, oh my goodness, you said it that word. You can't come in here. Oh my word, you are, you are not, you can't go to that bar. You can't go to that restaurant. Oh, you've taken 10 mil more. Uh, 10, you've, what? You've taken grape juice? <laughs> you've taken too much alcohol. You can't, I can't associate with you no more. And see what happens is we begin to, we begin to, we begin to, to get possessive over people, we begin to become inward, self-destructive. We begin to judge one another. We begin to look down on people. We, we, we begin to fall out of relationship. It begins to break things down that God's called us to bring together. All because of these rules. And so Jesus is experiencing the same thing. He's walking through the grain fields. And in those days, the law that they had created, they had added to the law. It said actually you shouldn't be, I think it was... There's so many feet outside your house on a Sabbath, you shouldn't leave the house. 
I think it was like 100 feet or something like that. You're not 100 yards. You weren't allowed to go past 100 yards within the boundaries of where you live because that was seen as work. Yeah? Sound familiar? And, and so here's Jesus breaking all the rules. <laughs> he kept the law, but he broke all the rules. And he's walking through the grain field on the Sabbath. The Bible says the Sabbath should be kept holy. Absolutely. And his disciples were hungry and he began to pick the heads of the grain and eat them. Now on that day, um, that was something that was seen as okay. If you're going through the field and because they walked a lot and, and just to survive, it was okay. If you're going through someone's field, you could pick off some of the grain just to get through. And so then the Pharisees' religion, they represent religion, saw this and they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You see, what are, the, what are the Pharisees doing? They're looking from afar. They're, they're not looking to go ahead and like, what is God saying to me right now? I just love God. What is God? How can I bless people around me? They're looking from a distance. How can I call people out? How can I judge people? How can I condemn people? See, Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world. He came to save it. The Spirit of God is a spirit that wants to save people. It wants to rescue them. We're on a rescue mission in this church. We're not here just to play games. We're not here just to, to judge people and think, how, look how good we are. Because see, what happens from the Pharisee's stance, the posture of their heart is, I'm better than you. We keep the law, so I'm better. And so as soon as someone's out of line, oh, wait a second. Just like the, the place, like the law. They're trying to enforce a law. He answered, now Jesus is so smart. And he still is so smart. Sometimes God, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He tells me to do things, and I'm like, whoa, I'm not sure about that. But then as it plays itself out, I say, my God, you're so smart. I could never have planned that. I could never have worked that out. So here, here we have Jesus answered them. He says, haven't you read what David did when his companions were hungry? King David, when his companions were hungry, he entered into the house of God, which was holy. And he and his companions ate the consecrated bread. So the bread that was deemed to be holy, consecrated, set apart for the glorification of God the Father, they came in and ate of the consecrated bread. The only people who were supposed to eat of that were the priests themselves, which was not lawful. They broke the law for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? What's he saying there? He's saying that the Bible says keep the Sabbath day holy. You must rest. The Sabbath means to breathe, to rest. And it's important that we all have a Sabbath in our life. God has not designed us to just be working and running after resources and money and just doing more stuff. And sometimes that is a way to, to neglect what's really going on within our, in our heart when we're too busy. But there's a healthy rhythm. There's a rhythm of grace and what he's saying here is, listen, you're so caught up in the law that you forget about the purpose and the reasoning and the heart behind it. You say that, oh, you shouldn't be doing anything on the Sabbath. But have you ever thought that in the law that the actual people who presented the consecrated bread, who helped in the Old Testament, they would, instead of Jesus, they, had a, they would have to present a lamb for, for the atonement of sin. And so... 
guess who was working on the Sabbath to do that? The priests. So the priests had to work on the Sabbath, the cultural Sabbath day, because someone's got to do the sacrifice. Someone's got to, to, to perform the ceremony. Someone's got to be there on the Sabbath. I've got to work on the Sabbath. So what happens is this doesn't become my Sabbath. The Sabbath for me is a different day. It's a Monday or it's a Saturday. Why? Because the heart is that I rest. The heart is that I hit the reset button on my life. The heart is that I come before God and just relax. And I breathe. And I get my head right. And I, and I get my head straight. And I begin to, like, what's going on? What, what happened this week? What's, what's going on next week? God, I just thank you for your presence. My first step determines where I go. If I, if I take a right in my first step, I'm heading right. If it's going towards Belfast, well, then my first step is the most important step. Because if my first step is, if I'm looking to go to Belfast and I take a left towards Newry, well, then I'm going to be look, intending to go to Belfast, but I'm heading to Newry. Your first steps of the Sabbath is your first step of the week. It's, that, it's the most important step. So what he's saying is, listen, you try to condemn me, but it condemns you. You do not judge lest you be judged. What's happening here is the Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus out, but they're casting themselves out. Why? Because God's more about love than he is about law. So let's, let's go on. It says, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy. Everyone say mercy. And not sacrifice. You would, have you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. See, what God's trying to say, what Jesus is trying to say, listen, I'm over the Sabbath. I am the fulfilled law. The principles of the law, the principles of the, of the Bible are based upon love and, and a relationship with the Father. That's the heart behind it. If you miss the heart behind it, you're left with dead religion which condemns the world. And that's not the heart of God. And it begins to condemn the people who are actually doing it. The Pharisees came with egg in their face. Jesus just threw it back in their face. Why? Because they were focused on the wrong thing. What Jesus was saying, listen, I'm more, I'm more concerned about the well-being of the disciples and leaving them to do the work of the ministry than I am about the law. The law is there to bring order. The law is there to help you to function. But the heart is more important. Yes, we need to have order in our lives, but it mightn't all look the way that you expect it to. Yes, you need a Sabbath, but it mightn't be a Sunday. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, because what happens with sacrifice? Oh God, I'm going to come here and give you a sacrifice of praise. Do you love me yet? I'm going to come here and pray, God, I'm going to pray today. Am I worthy? Do you love me? I'm going to serve in the kids. I'm going to serve on the back, on the computer. God, God, am I worthy yet? Have I sacrificed enough yet? Is it enough? God, I'm going to go take communion today. Is it enough yet? God, I'm going to go give someone money. I'm going to bless someone. Is it a No. That's not the heart of God. God doesn't want, he doesn't need your sacrifice. The sacrifice is a part to get to your heart. That's why it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love. It's the attachment. It's the idol. But, and so that's why we have healthy things in place, routines like tithing and giving and offering. You know what tithing's done for me? It's kept me healthy. It's not something I have to do. It's something I want to do. Because what? It keeps my, the grip. 
Because an idol is something that you hold on to for dear life that you need. But, but when you surrender, you let go. And, and principles like that applied in your life, you know what it does? God doesn't just use it to build his kingdom. It keeps your heart healthy. It keeps your heart healthy. It keeps you in faith and trusting in God, not in a system. It doesn't say, hey, God, I'm giving to you. I'm praying. I'm, I'm, I'm serving to get acceptance. No, God, I am accepted because you, you made the sacrifice, not me. You paid the price, not me. And because I love you because you first loved me, out of that overflow, out of that relationship, I want to be in church. I want to pray. I want to read the scriptures. Why? Because I know the plans that you have for me are good. Amen? You see the difference? How easy it is for us to get to the wrong side of the law. How easy it is for us to lose the true meaning, the true value. And we begin to reject people. The religious spirit pushes people away because they don't look like you. They don't talk like you. They're not from the same culture as you. We begin to push people away. Why? Because you're not doing things the way I do them. That's what religion does. So number one, Jesus desires mercy over sacrifice. Jesus has given us, God has given us so much. Listen, God is, we love, at the minute in the church, it's all about the love of God. And that's so foundational. God, for, so lo- for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. His love gives. But he's also the lion. He was the lamb, but he's also the lamb. He's the judge. There is a day coming. It's so, we, we can't go around this world just thinking everything just works out. It doesn't. Have you seen? Have you looked around? Things don't just work out. People die before their time. There's brokenness. There's destruction. The enemy is at work. And if we are not alert, if we don't take that, that healthy fear of God and realize that Jesus will come back one day to judge then what happens is we can live our life for ourselves, just doing stuff, meaningless stuff, and you will look back on your life and you're like, what did I even do? But right now, right here, you get an opportunity to experience the love of God, which empowers you to go on a rescue mission, to see the lost come home, to see the prodigals come home. The God of the universe knows you. He has given you mercy to equip and to empower you to do the works of the ministry. This is not a game, but it's exciting. It's not a game. It's real life. We will all, 100% of us will all die. One, one out of one. Good ratio. If you're a gambling man, put it on that. Might not live to see it. your reward, but. So God desires mercy and not sacrifice. Over-sacrifice, he wants sacrifice too, but it's mercy first. Two, God, God desires, or sorry, Jesus desires relationship over ritual. See, there's some rituals, and, and, and rituals really maybe like order, but, but it's not the start. It's a process, it's not the start. It's good to get into habits. We're, we're, we are creatures of habit. There's some healthy habits. You see, the word iniquity, which is a word for sin in, in the scripture, the word iniquity actually means a pattern of sin. It's actually, it's a pattern, it's, it's a ritual, but it's a pattern of sin. And sometimes when you grow up in a, in a, 
in a fa- we all inherit certain patterns of sin from our upbringing. It's not something that you created, something you inherited. But, but thank goodness that the, God's way is not our way, or not our family's way. The, king, the, the way of the kingdom is not the way of the culture. And so we get to align ourselves. That's why we've got to honor the scripture, because it has the final say. And it begins to bring things into order. Things that we didn't even realize that were out of order. And when order is restored, blessing is released. So so relationship, God wants us to speak to him like the Holy Spirit speaks. <laughs> the Holy Spirit literally speaks to you. We heard an amazing story during the week there. I was talking to someone and it was just amazing. She came from a Catholic background and she, she told me that she had prayed a day before that God would show her the way. She was in, in a situation where she just felt broken and at a crossroads unsure. And she prayed. <laughs> and God, within a day, God spoke and turned her world upside down. She ended up coming to this church last week. And I, I've never, it's, I just can't explain it. But when God moves, people's lives are changed upside down. And starting to say things like, I feel like I'm just a new person. I feel like I'm like born again or something. Like, what? That's like a term that they used in the church. And they, this person knew nothing about it. But she's, she's just ex- describing her experience. No one's taught her how to say things. No one's taught her what it should look like. But it's just, this is what I feel like. God's doing something fresh, something new. You see, the number eight represents a new creation, a new beginning, a new day. God wants us all to be number eights. He's called us all to be new creations, but that doesn't happen apart from when you surrender your ways. You see, what happened in that situation is she, she gave up her way. She gave up trying to get happy, trying to fix a problem that she couldn't fix. She gave up trying to make things work in her own strength, and she surrendered it to God. And then, that's when God intervened. Then, the Holy Spirit moved. Then, clarity came. Then a confusing situation, a broken situation became clear. Then forgiveness came. Then resentment left. But it's when surrender comes. Amen? But God, it's all about relationship. It's all about communication. It's all about prayer. Close the gap. And lastly, God desires love over law. What does that look like? That, that looks like someone who comes to the house of God because they want to be there rather than someone who who comes because they have to. It represents someone who prays in faith because they know that God's going to move on their behalf. Because they want to, not because they have to. When you truly believe that God can do things and move on your behalf, you will pray. You will get excited about prayer. You will pray with hope, not just a, a wishful hope, but a hope that is constant, that is confident. It's a confident hope that it will happen, that God will move. Once you begin to walk with God in relationship, what happens is your faith begins to grow. You begin to believe for bigger. It's not an artificial kind of create faith. It's a faith which just happens while you're in relationship. Does that make sense? So often I feel like when I was younger, I used to try and create faith. Like if I could just have the faith of a mustard seed. God might, you know what that is? That's performance. It's religion. I had the mentality, if I could just pray enough, then God might... Is that enough faith then? If I got like 10 minutes of prayer, is that as mustard seed? It's completely off track. That's completely off system. That's completely off the way of God. You know what the mustard seed of faith is? 
I'm not sure see the faith looks like surrender. And just giving God space. It doesn't look like you bringing some kind of model or, or idea or system. It looks like you just saying, God, I trust you. I ask you to come and move right now. But I, I'm listening for what you want to say. It's a posture of humility. It's a posture of surrender. I'm listening to what you want to do. See what happens then? God begins to fill you. God begins to fill you up. God begins to say things. God begins to give you senses. God begins to give you desires. He, he, gives, he, he can sometimes bring death to old dreams and give birth to new ones. And those ones are usually to do with his mission and what he wants to do on this earth, to go forth, not to stay in your own little bubble, not to stay in your comfort zone, but to go forth out of comfort, out of where you currently are, and to, to bless the world in the name of Jesus. Not in a weird way. It's natural. It's organic. It's who you were created to be. I love this. So in the Old Testament, just for some of you that don't know, um, there were kind of three major types of people that we see. That There was the priest, and the priest was the person who dealt with the atonement of sin. They removed the obstacle of sin so that man could be in communion with God. And so that priest would have taken the sin sacrifice, which was usually a lamb, the first fruits, it was always about putting God first, and they would perform the ceremony, and they would create... They would go into the Holy of Holies and, and the presence of God would be thick in there and they would also get direction uh, for God's people. And so what would happen uh, in that time was anyone, no one else was allowed to go into the presence of God. Nobody. It, it was too much. They would have died. It, it, it was, well, people did die when they entered in and, and they went outside of God's system. And so the priest represented the atonement of sin, but it also represented the, the Spirit of God coming down. And then we also have the prophet. So prophets were used in the Old Testament to guide God's people from, from nearly a distance from the outside uh, and point the nation in a direction that God wanted to go. So it represented the Word of God. And so that was important because the Word of God is it's what guides us. It's, it's what directs us in our life. Um, and then also a king. We would have seen kings then came like King David. He became a king, and a king represented the rule and reign over the kingdom. And we talk about the kingdom of God coming forth. And the cool thing is, in the Old Testament, when Jesus came in the New, he represented all three. He came, he came as a prophet. He came as the, the Word became flesh. He became the Word in, in real life. He was alive. He was in operation. He represented God the Father. He, he, he was a, so he became a prophet, he was a priest. The presence of God came and hovered around the earth, it said, prior to Jesus coming. As he walked, he healed. He brought clarity to confusing situations. He brought life to death. So he came as a prophet, a priest, and a king. He was the king of kings. He came to bring his rule and reign, not through force, but by love. His kingdom still reigns today. There was, there's been so many empires built by force, by the force of man on this earth, but they've all fallen to this day. But there's one kingdom that still reigns. There's one kingdom that goes from strength to strength. It's the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus came as the prophet, the priest, 
and the king. And when you surrender to his rule and reign, God will begin to move in power. The priestly, the Holy Spirit, the veil was torn when Jesus died. So that means there's not just one priest anymore. You don't have to go to your priest anymore to experience the presence of God. We're all called to be priests. We're, we, we all have the temple of the Holy Spirit living on the inside. That's powerful. Prophet, priest, king. The word of God. God wants to speak. God wants you to prophesy to your situations. What's prophesy mean? It means you speak the word of God over it. It means you speak the life of God over it. It means you, you, you go to someone and God will speak to you and you, you can speak encouragement. I see leadership in you. I see I see a, a father's heart in you. I see a mother. Uh, I see someone who's going to mother children in you. I see I see someone of great strength to encourage in you. I see I see someone with a prophetic gift in you. I see someone with the gift of healing in you. See, you know what that does to someone? It puts a fire on them. If it aligns with what God's called them to do, it gets people out of their comfort, puts them full of faith, and gives them the confidence to walk out the will of God in their life. And what happens is in the it begins to light a fire, and as they walk into dark places of, of hopelessness in their workplace, of hopelessness in their, in their situations, they, they can now have a voice like a prophet because they're like a priest with the presence of God. Why? Because they give God the rule and reign of their life and he has access to their heart. He has access to the temple on the inside. And that's anyone here. No one's exempt. If you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior, if you give him rule and reign of your life, get ready. Like I, I mean, really surrender. I mean, really, let go. Get ready. There's great days ahead. You are gifted. You are called. You are chosen. You nervous yet? Because it's bigger than you. You cast your, this is not your weight to bear. This is not your weight to carry. I'm telling you, see, when the church begins to get this, when the church begins to receive that they are a child of God, and they begin to get their identity in Christ, you watch out. You watch to see how the community changes. It happens organically, naturally, when you connect to the things of God. The, the community cannot do anything else but change. You can do nothing else but change when you truly connect with God. That's why when Jesus came, he says, listen, Pharisees, you're, making them, you're, you're, you're going the wrong way. You're teaching them the wrong things. The law won't change anyone. It'll only condemn them. It'll only hold them back. It'll only cause a barrier and not a bridge. But if we can connect them to the relationship, to the love of God, to the mercy of God. Oh my. Oh my goodness. We wouldn't have to force change. We wouldn't have to control people and fear them to come to church. We wouldn't have to, we wouldn't have to try and guilt them into coming to the prayer meeting. Because when the Holy Spirit begins to break out, it's not weird. It brings clarity. It brings power. It brings strength. It brings dreams. It brings vision. Does anybody else want a little bit of that? I truly believe that 
your most natural form, what you were truly designed to do, is to be spirit-led, is to be in relationship with God. And the problem is when we're not, we, we just get busy doing stuff. Just get busy going through life. No real meaning. Just chasing after stuff. Doing things. There's no eternal value. I'm telling you, <laughs> if heaven's supposed to be a party, we're supposed to celebrate every time someone comes to know Jesus. It's a party too. It's not this all the seer side. It's fun. It's exciting. The weight of the world is not on us. It's on it's on God. This is God's church. He builds it. But we just want to give him a chance. <laughs> give him a space to do something. Amen? I just love that when Jesus came, he sat with the sinners. He sat with brokenness. He sat in places that people, a lot of people today would condemn him. In bars. His first miracle he turned water into wine. <laughs> he was in the club, breaking it down, some R&B and hip hop. My mind, anyhow. Now, I'm not saying everyone should go and do that. We all have our weaknesses, and you know, you've got the, it's about relationship. You do what's right for you. If it's causing you to fall into sin, you know. The light hope needs to come on. It's probably not helping you. But it's not about you can't do this and you can't do that. It's, it's you've got to stay in relationship with Jesus. And if there's anything that's affecting that, you've got to make a decision. You've got to let go of some stuff. That might look like friends for some people. That might look like bad habits for some people. I just love I had a friend um, a few years ago and he came to church and Hadn't been walking with God at all his whole life. No church background, really. And uh, just got saved. Just gave his life to Jesus. We're going through some stuff. and just let, I actually seen him yesterday at a conference, and he's, he's doing brilliant. He's thriving. He's, he, he's big into the church leadership, and he, he's just growing all the time. And It's just it's amazing to watch. But at the start, you know what he was like at the start? He would come, and he just... I mean, that was a great, that was a great sermon. I hear it was speaking. I, was, I, was, I really enjoyed that today. And man, that was a, a bleepily bleep great sermon. That was an, you know, he's swearing. What the bleep do you do here for? What, what did Jesus say uh, bleep on this? I don't know what the bleep I'm supposed to do here. And he's swearing like a trooper. And I'm laughing. Because you know why? Because I know his heart's right. I know when he's swearing, he, he's not doing it from a place of ill feeling. He's actually doing it out of celebration. You know, sometimes when comedians swear, it's funnier. For whatever reason, maybe it's that we rebellious side of us. But, but, and I was like, that guy's heart's good. But how many places could he go to and maybe be condemned for that? Or look down upon that for swearing, even though his heart was good, he could get... You know, he's just saved. He's vulnerable. He's given his heart to Jesus. And so easily he could have experienced religion where someone would look down upon him and said, oh my word, what are you talking about? Get away from me. 
It's a disgrace. I can't believe. I can't associate with people like you. Because that's what those people sound like. And so, so it's so important. Listen, you know, you know what the problem is? Yes, the Bible says you don't let corrupt words come from your mouth. Yes. But guess what? He hasn't read that verse yet. <laughs> he hasn't got there yet. And so if we have this idea of law, we lose the love. We, we begin to reject people that God ha- has paid a price for on the cross. We begin to reject humanity that God has sent his son for. We, we got to protect our heart. And I, I, well, how do you do that, Paul? You realize that the mercy of God that you receive is for other people too. You realize, listen, people say, if, I, I think about like, people talk about leadership, oh, the leaders in that church, and, and oh, that family's a mess because of those parents, and those kids are not going where they should go because of those parents. And, you know what happens is, oh, if it was just perfect, those leaders were just perfect. We always think towards perfection because we're heavenly minded. We always look for perfection. Oh, oh, flip, those parents are a disgrace. You know what happens? It ends up keep going down the line. Keep going, keep going straight, keep going, keep moving. A person, a family. You know what happens? They're not coming back to you. You know what you realize? <laughs> There's no leader in a church that's perfect. There's no parent that's perfect. There's no teacher that's perfect. There's no worship leader. There's no prayer warrior. There's no person on the earth that's perfect. Can we just see past the imperfections? For the sake of the gospel? Can we just admit to our weakness? Can we have a culture of repentance? But I'm telling you, I'm not repenting in any culture that no one's willing to stand up and say sorry to. But when you... when you have a culture of repentance, when you have a culture of, listen, I'm just a, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm broken like you. I'm a broken vessel that God's chose to use. I lean on Jesus just as much as you. He paid the price for my past, present, and future sin. You know what that does? It removes the barrier, and it builds a bridge. And are we looking to be holy? Absolutely. Are we looking to strive for the, the best that God has for us? Absolutely. Are we going to make mistakes? Absolutely. But we're going to build a bridge. We're going to stay close to God and we're going to stay close to people. If we, we make a mistake, we're going to hold our hands up. We're going to say sorry. And you know what? Things are forgot about. When someone holds their hands up, honestly, as soon as someone has hurt me and they hold your hands up, I don't think about it no more because I'm too busy trying to, to build the kingdom. I'm too busy trying to do the work of God. I'm too busy. I want to see I want to hear the stories of a notorious sinner coming to know Jesus and their life being transformed. They're the best stories. But it starts with repentance. It starts with surrender. Then we think about music. We come into environments, and I remember for years, people were telling me, like, the drums weren't holy. (laughs) What? What? And there are certain instruments, like it's only the organ, guys. It's only the organ that the Holy Spirit comes with. Well, this is our organ. And, and you know, the certain, you see how, see how we do it? 
as people, we will always attract ourselves to control, to, say, to, to trying to convince people, manipulate people to saying one way of doing worship is better than another. But do you know what actually happens? This is what really happens. There's only one part about worship that's holy. It's not the sound. You can make whatever sound you want. The, the part of worship that's holy are the words. It's the word of God. What are we singing? Now, if we're singing something and the words are wrong, that's a different story. But the sound, it adapts. And so what happens is people come in from maybe maybe from a, you're maybe from a more mature background and you've been brought up with certain songs, certain tunes to your ear. And so you associate, or maybe in, in Sunday school, and you, 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 your ear tunes itself, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions tunes itself to those songs. And so therefore you're like, I just want to sing that song because it's nice and comfortable. But it's it's genuine. You've had good memories. There's nothing wrong with that. But but we can't get step into this whole thing of, you know, there's only certain sounds, there's only certain instruments. <laughs> no, we make a joyful noise, and that's why you know what it gives us the license to do. Well, why not make new songs? Well, maybe God wants a new day. Maybe God's doing a new thing. Maybe we can actually have the license to go and create world-class music from Northern Ireland, from Ireland. Maybe God, maybe we're we're qualified just like the saints of old to preach the news, the good news of the gospel. Maybe God's given us the same gifts of the people from the 1800s. Maybe they're in this room. Maybe we can dream the same dreams of the people who've seen revivals come about in the past. Maybe. They're in this room. But that can't happen until we allow the barrier of religion to be removed and we build the bridge of relationship with God. Amen? Okay, I'm just going to call the the worship team back up. It's funny, I remember having a few friends and uh, as we were growing up, some of them got radically saved when they were about 18, 19, and, and kind of confused me for a bit because I was kind of more, I'm more, I'm more the slow and steady, wins the race, not the radical kind of like fall on my face type thing. It, you know, everyone's different, but but I've seen some of my friends who experienced that, and and uh, it was very interesting because it seemed that they seemed to get fired up for God. But it, it was nearly as if, as they got fired up, they become they became more judgmental. <laughs> like they nearly judged me because I wasn't as holy as them, or, or wasn't as fired up as them. They nearly had this spirit about them that nearly condemned me, and it didn't want to bring me with them. It, it made here I'll help you. I'm better than you. It was that same fire. And it's funny we got to be careful as we experience the goodness of God that we don't start to think because I'm experiencing God that I'm better. You know, we're, we're all we're all sinners saved by grace, and everyone's on a journey. Some things take time.